Our final question for today is 469. What kind of punishment may be imposed? The punishment imposed must be proportionate to the gravity of the offence. Given the possibilities which the state now has for effectively preventing crime by rendering one who has committed an offence incapable of doing harm, the cases in which the execution of the offender is an absolute necessity are very rare, if not practically non-existent. Evangelium Vitae When non-lethal means are sufficient, authority should limit itself to such means because they better correspond to the concrete conditions of the common good are more in conformity with the dignity of the human person and do not remove definitively from the guilty party the possibility of reforming himself. For my personal reflection, today I'll cover questions 466 through 469. Today we began to read questions related to the fifth commandment, you shall not kill. The natural law engraved in human hearts clearly speaks to the human person that killing or taking the life of another human person is a serious sin, not only in the eyes of God, but also in the eyes of man. When people go against their natural moral sense to take the lives of others, they not only offend God, but they hurt themselves morally, emotionally, and psychologically. In a way, over time, they not only hate the act of taking the life of the human person, but they begin to hate themselves. This includes the whole spectrum of life from uh, the womb, that is from conception, until natural death. And why is that so? Because we know that God alone is a Lord of life from its beginning until its end. Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2258. No one can under any circumstance claim for himself the right directly to destroy an innocent human being. If we reflect on the sin of Adam and Eve versus the sin of their son Cain, who took the life of his brother Abel, it becomes clear why the fifth commandment is a very violation of the fifth commandment is a very serious sin in the eyes of God. In the case of Adam and Eve, they failed to trust God and in a moment of weakness and delusion, they disobeyed God. Whereas with Cain, who is envious of his brother Abel, who has uh, more favor, who has found more favor with God, he deliberately asks his brother Abel to go into the fields and then attacks him and kills him. Let's read from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2259. The witness of sacred history in the account of Abel's murder by his brother Cain, Scripture reveals the presence of anger and envy.
in man consequences of original sin from the beginning of human history man has become the enemy of his fellow man god declares the wickedness of this fratricide what have you done the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground and now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand and continuing to read in 2260 uh, and also beyond that i would like to read some excerpts from subsequent paragraphs as well the covenant between god and mankind is interwoven with reminders of god's gift of human life and man's murderous violence for your blood i will surely require a reckoning whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed for god made man in his own image and we read this in genesis chapter 9 verse 5 to 6 the old testament always considered blood a sacred sign of life leviticus chapter 17 verse 14 this teaching remains necessary for all time and further in 2262 in the sermon on the mount christ asks his disciples to turn the other cheek to love their enemies he did not defend himself and told peter to leave his sword in its sheath this is when jesus was arrested in the garden of gethsemane peter wanted to fight back and in fact he cut off the ear of one of the soldiers servants uh, in the party that and uh, Jesus told him to put his sword back and Jesus did not he could have in an instant had a whole army of angels come and fight uh, the roman soldiers but he did not he submitted himself he actually role model for us what we are supposed to do to turn the other cheek Now for self defense is it okay to kill No even for self defense we can't kill Yes one must defend oneself and we have the right to defend not only our life but the life of others and in the process of such defense if there is unintended ca- unintended casualty that is legitimate and that is not a sin However, one cannot intentionally kill, proactively killing people for a possible perceived future aggression from a person or from a, a group of people is not legitimate. There should be an active aggression that is being ad- addressed in self-defense and if the person, the only way to stop that aggressor is by uh, killing, then that is a legitimate defense. Let's read from paragraph 2263. Act of self-defense can have a double effect, the preservation of one's own life and the killing of the aggressor. The one is intended, that is, the preservation of one's life is intended, whereas the killing of the aggressor, the other is not intended. So the killing of the aggressor should be an unintended, not intended, consequence of trying to preserve one's own life or the life of the person that they are defending or persons 
if an unjust aggressor or aggressors attacks then of course one can and must defend and that is a duty and a right and for people who are serving as police officers who are serving as secret service agents yes they have to perform their duty to preserve not only their own life but also the people whom they are protecting and that is a just use of force but it has to be proportionate not disproportionate if a person is unarmed they do not have to use uh violence and uh, they must not shoot the person but if the person is a shooter an active shooter of course they have to shoot to take down an active shooter so there is a difference when it is legitimate defense and when it is not a legitimate defense maybe we can all agree not to harm innocent people legitimate defense can be not only a right but a grave duty for one who is responsible for the lives of others having said that we do know there are scenarios where we need to uh make a decision about guilty people people who are guilty of murder guilty of very uh, serious crimes and in those cases where it is not a, a self defense an act of self defense but it's more a decision around death penalty the scenario might be a slightly different scenario here because in death penalty the aggressor is in the custody of um the authorities and now he, that person is no longer uh you know uh, active um threat to the society in which case the person can be isolated from the society and there is no justification to take that person's life so death penalty is not justified in today's societies and in countries pretty much all countries today where there is abundant resources to curb and isolate aggressors from the society and keep the society safe from the aggressors through containing the person in prisons and jails and things like that so only when there is no possibility of safely keeping an aggressor locked up and uh, the society safe only then can uh, death penalty be justified and be necessary and in today's world that is probably there is no uh, need for that so in paragraph 2267 we read the traditional teaching of the church does not exclude recourse to the death penalty this is the only possible way of effectively defending human lives against the unjust aggressor if however non lethal means are sufficient to defend and protect people's safety from the aggressor authority will limit itself to such means as these are more in keeping with the concrete conditions of the common good and more in conformity with the dignity of the human person and in the end of that paragraph we read the cases in which the execution of the offender is an absolute necessity are very rare if not 
practically non-existence. And the reason why uh, correctional facilities and etc. exist is, is for the purpose of not only punishing the aggressors, but also giving them an opportunity to change their lives and to give them a chance to convert and uh, realize their offense and to come to a decision uh, to repent and to decide against such acts in the future. And if we take the person's life, we are taking that opportunity for that person to actually repent and come to a conversion of heart. So from an eternity perspective, by shortening the person's life, we are taking away that person's possibility of gaining eternal life through a conversion of heart by their, by, for them to come to an encounter with God and to be able to be touched by the grace of God and to come to faith and to have a repentant and a new life. And that's why death penalty in today's society is absolutely unnecessary. There's no situation that I can think of uh, unless somebody is uh, on a stranded island and there's just two people and th there is no way for that person to uh, keep the aggressor in a contained way without having to stay up 7 by 24 watching him. Only in that case, I would think that it would make sense to um, do a death penalty in case the aggressor would escape. Otherwise, it really doesn't make sense because we have so many correctional facilities and uh, ability to keep people locked up for many, many years or even for the, the entire lifetime of the person or persons. Well, that's my reflection for today. We should always um, err on the side of mercy uh, because God loves mercy. And we should always strive to put on the heart of Christ and put on the mind and the, uh, the thinking that goes along with Jesus' own um, life, how he modeled for us even from the cross, he forgave his murderers. Even from the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. After going through all the tortures and after being nailed to the cross, that was Jesus' words. He did not um, punish his offenders, but he was merciful to them and begged for their forgiveness from our Heavenly Father. That's my reflection for today. I hope you have a blessed day, everyone, and thank you for listening.